Hello, everybody. Welcome to Amateur Cast, the show where we pretend to know what we're talking about. My name is Sebastian Limon, and I am joined with Kobe Leapies. Hello. How are you, Kobe? I am swell. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeesh. Ladies and gentlemen, we are still, guess what? We are still in the month of March from 2020. Oh my God, it's been the longest March (laughs) forever. If you look outside, it's it's raining. Almost a full year since Parasite won Best Picture. Doesn't that feel like it was 10 years ago? But also like it was yesterday? Kind of. Wasn't it last night? I thought it was last night. Time is an illusion. God, I hate it. It sucks. But hey, who? Speaking of awards, Sebastian. Oh my God! We're we're in it. It's award season. It's happening. We're in the thrust. Holy of it. crap, guys! It's award Globes. season. They the happen. Golden Globes just happened. The first uh, of the major televised film awards, the Golden Globes, correct. happened on February twenty eighth. We are recording this on March third. By the time you're listening uh-huh. to it, it should be, um, March fifth or after. Unless you're a time traveler. Unless you, well, yeah, well, yeah. Um, In that case, let us know what happens. Wait, unless they're a time traveler who stole my computer before I posted it on YouTube? Or or do you mean they traveled so far in the future that Uh, they're listening to this uh, in like 2070 million? You'll never know. I mean, the plans that the future have in the uh, in the past oh time travel sucks <laughs> so deep man wow i know <laughs> you'll never know anyways as colby was saying the golden globes happened and yes, we watched them uh um <clears throat> it was hosted by amy poehler and tina fey mm-hmm. yeah joy and, and it, 22 oh that's right they both <laughs> voiced Pixar characters. Mm-hmm. And one um, of them was a lot better than the other one. Oh, go, we're not saying Go who. listen to it our last Polar. episode if you want to know who. Ba-doom, ba-doom. Um, yeah, what did you think of the, the Golden Globes, Colby? Uh, they are fine. You watched you know, them, right? It being on Zoom. Yeah, I watched them. It being on Zoom was weird, but um, as expected for this year. And I would say most of the awards that they gave out were either exactly what I expected or I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I didn't think Daniel Kulia would win, but when he did, I was so happy because he's incredible in Judas. Um, I was surprised that he was British. He started yeah. speaking. I'm like, no, wait a minute. Yeah, he's you too? American. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's British. Yeah. Spider-Man's British. Freaking Finn from Star Wars is British. Yeah. Superman is British. Too. That was really cool. Um, yeah, he did. And when he spoke too, I was like, no, wait a minute. His episode of Small Axe so far, but I've watched the first two and really loved them, so I'm excited to watch that one too. Especially now that he's won for it. Um The only ones that were really surprising to me were all three actress categories. I thought for sure that Maria Bakalova was gonna win for best comedy actress and it went to Rosamund Pike, which I was happy about because I really liked her and I care a lot. But I do think that Bakalova deserves some love for Bora and I hope she get some and i she's hope she gets more small. movies yeah i'm oh she's going she's gonna be big i think for sure she's awesome i think this is her breakout role without a doubt yeah the fact that she was she's so young and was able to compete with sasha 
yeah. someone who's insane yeah. <laughs> and be this character. It, yeah, she was awesome. She was hilarious. Uh, I was surprised with that too. And then the other two actress categories, I, I can't say I was happy or sad about either of them because I hadn't seen the movies that won. But Jodie Foster winning supporting actress came out of nowhere to me because I didn't even think she would be nominated. Martin yeah, I didn't even know what movie, movie that she I really was in. even heard much about. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a big awards contender. So that seemed random. And then Andre Day was crazy because. I think I knew I like I was a hundred percent sure that Francis McDormand and Viola Davis and Vanessa Kirby and Carrie Mulligan were all getting nominated. I thought those were all super mm-hmm. obvious, and I just yeah. had no idea who the fifth slot was going to be. And when I went to Andre Day, I was like, "Okay, great. Back to these four. I wonder which one of them is going to win." And then she was the total kind of dark horse. So yeah, that's crazy. I think now she's probably going to get nominated for an Oscar, which I was not anticipating. No, have you seen that movie? What was it? United States versus Billy Holiday. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't heard great things about it, but I'm looking forward to watching it now just out of curiosity. People don't like it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the reviews aren't great, but... Um, That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's probably the same thing like from last year with, what is it, Renee Zellweger with Judy? I didn't see that one either. Was that any good? No, Judy wasn't good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not at all, but... Yeah, I thought thought it was random that she won, but I guess people were who had seen the movie were, like, new. They were anticipating Great performance, but, yeah, bad movie. Really bad movie. (laughs) So, I... It's probably the same thing. I I don't know. You've got Glenn Close nominated in Best Supporting Actress. And even though Jodie Foster won, which caught me off guard, I think Glenn Close might be the frontrunner at the Oscars. And, Seb, have you seen Hillbilly Elegy? No, I was going to until i could do and i i really could but we shan't i could do a whole episode about how much i hate that movie it is easily my least favorite movie of last year okay and so i'm definitely biased against glenn close just for that but i also don't necessarily think she needs an oscar for this movie whatever it Uh, sucks don't watch it it's so bad i wanted to see it for the actors glenn close and amy adams are amazing they're better than the movie is because they're Glenn Close and Amy Adams. So, of course, yeah, they of course. are. But that's like that's like saying that somebody is the tallest dwarf. <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. They're still short. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, but the movie they, sucks they're, so they're still much. short. <laughs> you just you just pissed off a dwarf. There's some small guy right now listening, hunting you down. He's on his way. If only he could reach. Um, the, <laughs> the biggest takeaway from the Golden Globes, however, was Nomadland won Best Picture Drama. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already expecting it to win big this year at the Oscars, but I actually thought it was probably going to lose at the Globes. Now that it has won at the Globes, I feel a lot better about it for the Oscars, but we'll talk about that at a later date. Mm -hmm. But this episode, we wanted to talk about two movies that were nominated for Best Drama last night, uh, Nomadland and Promising Young Woman. Two of the others that were nominated, Trial of Chicago 7 and Mank, we've already talked about. If you want to hear our thoughts on those, you can just go listen to some previous episodes. Go look at the thumbnails, yo. 
they're in the thumbnails, yo. Yeah, that was uh, episode, let me see, 11 for Mank and 8 for Sorkin. So if you want to hear our thoughts on those ones, you can go. And then the other one was The Father, which we just can't watch right now. It's not out on VOD until March 26th. No. And theaters are not super accessible right now. So hopefully we'll get to talk about that in the future. But for now, we wanted to focus on the best drama nominees that we could, which was Promising Young Woman and Nomadland. Correct. We will be discussing Promising Young Woman first. I found recently, not recently, this came out what, summer of last year? No, not summer. It came out pretty late, pretty recently, actually. Did it um, really? Yeah. Let me see. I think it was going to come out in the summer. Yeah, And it then was, because of all the it, pandemic It ended up coming thing. out on VOD in like January. That's yeah. There you go. But it did it did premiere at a lot of like film festivals early last year. I want to say it even premiered at Sundance, which was beginning of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because uh, looking at the promotional stuff, everybody seems it's uh, it's all co- pre COVID. There's no Zoom meetings. There's no right. Uh, it's all in person, and so I I think that's why I assumed it was in the summer. No, I think it was gonna like I said, it was gonna appear. In I believe the summer. it was supposed to, yeah. but a lot of delays course yeah uh um i saw this when it first came out in january sev you just watched it like right now right yeah i finished watching the movie like 30 40 minutes ago yeah so <laughs> we haven't gotten to talk about this at all before recording i no. have no idea what your thoughts are i'm very excited to hear them um, yeah before we start i i briefly wanted to say that the reason we're focusing on the best drama from the golden globes and not the best comedy is just because there wasn't really anything in the best comedy that um, was going to be at the Oscars this year. We've already talked about Borat's subsequent movie film. Hamilton's not a movie. Music is no. trash. Um, it, yeah. And the, the prom, prom and no one likes. What, we already talked about Palm Spring. And the prom is kind of whatever. So we just felt like this year the best comedy uh, uh, category was pretty lackluster but in general i kind of hate when people only focus on dramas during award season and not comedy so i just wanted to clarify that um yeah because comedies are good too yeah comedies are great and i kind of hate when people um think of comedy as non-deep and drama as deep because that's not true at all comedy has very much capability to be impactful and serious and relevant and even the movie we're talking about today promising young woman is a dark comedy just as much as it is a drama and Mm -hmm. emerald fennell the director told the hollywood foreign press that it should be in the comedy category and not drama but they don't listen um so it ended up in drama martian was in the comedy remember that yeah i mean it's like what that's a pretty funny movie yeah but then get out was in comedy as was green book that was kind of weird well green book was funny because of how racist it was but then bohemian rhapsody was in drama the same year when it's a musical, so that didn't really make sense. I don't know. Golden Globes are bad at categories. Oh, so um, dumb. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but, um, correct, we will be discussing, um, I think, non-spoilers in case... <laughs> uh, because this movie's relatively new, and we don't want to uh, ruin it for people who haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. I think our opinions on the movie will be relatively different because of your i think 
I, like I said, I just watched this 40 minutes mm. ago, and you've been able to digest and it for... it definitely took me a while to a while. digest, I gotta say. I I can't say that I yeah. um, knew for sure how I felt about it until a couple days later. So, you guys might be getting two very different perspectives today. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. On that note, Seb, do you want to begin? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on that level of how you were. I'm not too sure how to feel yet i think i loved it i think there's plenty to love and plenty to appreciate and plenty um to think about and there's also plenty that is a little muddled and a little bad taste and a little um confusing um but uh, especially in terms of tone i thought the tone was a little um at first Kind of like, all right, what's going on? Um, and then everybody's talking about the ending. The ending yeah, will make or break how you feel about the movie. Definitely, definitely. It, it really will. Um, I, I think I dug the ending. I, I think. <laughs> Again, like I said, I just finished watching this, yeah. so it's like I'm, I'm still kind of like almost in shock in a way um but overall i i, I do have a lot a lot of positives because it's very well acted um it's e emerald right emerald fennel yes emerald, emerald fennel's first movie yeah it's which is insane it which is feels pretty, way yeah, too well done to be a debut film yeah and um very the dialogue is very funny um Carrie Mulligan, who I did not recognize to be Carrie Mulligan, yeah, until like twenty minutes into the movie when she started speaking, I was like, "Well, I mean, she was speaking before, but at some point she was speaking at because um, she works at a coffee shop, and Bo Burnham's character comes in, and when he was speaking to her, I was like, "Oh my God, that's Carrie Mulligan, that can't be the girl from Drive," and and it was, and um, yeah, great performance by her. Great performances by all the, especially Bo Burnham, and I, I, I don't think they're cameos, but brief appearances by pretty yeah, big names. There's a big ensemble that actors. gets a, where each of these big name actors get like pretty short appearances, but I would say uh, yeah. they each leave a big impact on the movie. They don't feel like cameos. They do feel like uh, important. No, they are perfectly casted. Yeah for what they're doing and what they're able to communicate through their characters. It, it was really well done. Um, uh, well, okay. I th think we should explain the plot. The plot is basically almost a rape revenge movie. Yes. Um, which I didn't even know going in. I was like, Oh no, this is going to be so tasteless. But, um, yeah, it's a very stylized uh, revenge movie about a woman who, mm -hmm. Uh, cannot move on from a very traumatic event in her past, which does have to do with sexual assault. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. basically is goes around getting revenge on men who perpetuate this kind of sexual assault. She pretends to be drunk at bars, finds who will try to take advantage of her, and then uh, either scares them straight or them. humiliates them. I think sometimes beats them up. It's wild. Yeah. Um, 
at first you think she kills them and you're like what yeah. is happening like is this even but we don't want okay? to give too much away because um from the very beginning it is twists and turns galore and it's one of those movies that mm -hmm. even if you only were to talk about the first act you would still give some stuff away because there's we got a real tiptoe yeah. around this one there's so many spoilers to give in this movie oh no because I, I i went in not knowing basically anything and I mean, we gave the general synopsis, and that's I think that's the that's all you need to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's just um, the ending's gonna lose some people. Maybe Definitely. it'll it'll it's a make or break ending for sure. Um, it's pretty shocking. But it, without giving anything away, it's definitely both upsetting and satisfying at the same mm -hmm. time. It's pretty. I mean, not many movies can end that way where it's like, wait, what? And then, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just a crazy mix of emotions. That's such a good way. I can't say why, but that's such a perfect explanation of the ending. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly the <laughs> and right And then, way. um... <laughs> and then, um... Yeah, really great casting all around. Clancy Brown yeah. is her dad who is not mean in the movie. He's just a nice guy, which I thought was cool. I expected him to start yelling at some point, yeah. but he doesn't. He's just a cool guy. I'm like, all right, Clancy Brown. And you've got Jennifer Coolidge as her mom, who for once is not playing just yeah. Jennifer Coolidge, right? <laughs> like she's actually kind she's of just, a just nice being a normal person. Mom. Yeah. I would say, which is um, cool. The entire casting process of this movie is pretty genius. Um, like we said, it's got a big ensemble. Yeah. Uh, other than Carrie Mulligan, You've got Bo Burnham, who probably has the biggest supporting performance. But you've also got these little bit parts like Alison Brie, Clancy Brown, Adam Brody, um, Sam Richardson, Jennifer Coolidge, Laverne Cox. You've even got, I'm looking through the cast list right now, you've got Christopher Mintz-Plass, the guy from uh, McLovin from Superbad. <laughs> and, um, McLovin. I, that's probably very reductive of his career. And him. Alfred Molina. Yeah, even Alfred freaking Molina's in this movie. You've got Max Greenfield, who you'll recognize Heck if you're yeah. a fan of the show New Girl. I think it was deliberate in the sense that what the movie was going for was... Okay, I, I, I kind of want to... I'm not sure if it, it would tiptoe... Not spoilers, but just like tiptoes into what the themes of the movie mm -hmm. are. and Because obviously she does that to... I, I almost kind of see it as a, like, as a way to test if a guy is a predator or not, yes. you know what yes. I mean? Like, cause I, I get the sense that obviously this wasn't that, cause the movie opens up with revealing that this is what she does mm -hmm. with Adam Brody. It's just her, her hobby. And you get a sense that this isn't her first time because, well, she kind of has a journal yeah. crossing off, um, in different colors and everything. And so I, I'm, I'm assuming some, of the guys have either gone to the point where they're about to flat out rape her, mm -hmm. or there have been guys that have been actually nice and have taken her to her home or yeah, didn't do anything. I get the impression there's less of those, but yeah. Yeah, but I feel like there's kind of like a scale that she rates these guys. Like, okay, this guy was good. This guy had his hands on me, but didn't do anything. This guy flat out was about to do something. Um, and that, and having familiar looking faces kind of adds to the sense of like, 
if it could be anyone almost uh yeah and that anyone. makes it much scarier yeah, that and yeah, for sure and so by casting actors that you wouldn't think would be casted for those parts these comedic good-looking guys some good-looking some are just comedic right because they're not slick and sexy and they're not sleazy creepy they're just kind of geeky average dudes and they're all relatively actors that people love yeah like people love mclovin people really love adam brody for his shows and sam richardson if you've seen him in shows like veep always plays a super nice yeah. guy always oh yeah and so it's like having chris pratt <laughs> yeah. as a terrible human being it's like what you too you know this, yeah. it, 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 it's definitely deliberate in that way and I, it was i felt that those aspects of the movie were the better aspects in terms of the subtle themes of what the movie was going for mm -hmm. whereas some other moments were not as subtle yeah uh, some an aspect of the movie um that surprised me is that it is a thriller in genre it is absolutely a thriller and parts of it even dip its toe mm -hmm. a little bit into horror um and so kind of, yeah. I think that aspect of it, when it comes to the casting, as well as the music, which I would love to touch on, are so well done. Um, yeah, it's very Bernard Herrmann-esque yeah. in a way. But it also, what it does with its soundtrack is um, it uses a lot of kind of what we would think of as like cheesy girl anthem pop songs from the 2000s. And Emerald Fennell said that mm -hmm. she did this intentionally because she likes that kind of music and she always kind of hated how it was uh, just usually laughed at and only used for like quote unquote mm -hmm. chick flicks. And she wanted to use it for like something kind of more vicious. And so the film opens with, uh, I don't know exactly what song the film opens with like pink, literally sparkly uh, title cards and pop music. And there's yeah. a really, really important it's like scene. a nineties rom-com. Yeah. Um, oh, it opens with the song boys. The one that's like, all oh, yeah. I really like, want like, is boys. But, oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that one. It's like very kind of, at first it feels a little goofy. Um, it feels like a Drew Barrymore rom-com yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. So I think that's really <laughs> smart because it, it makes you think that you're in for one thing and then kind of scares you extra, extra hard Bam. by uh, throwing something else at you. Oh yeah. Um, they play um, a Paris Hilton song at one point during a very, important sequence that's kind of like bonding between uh carrie mulligan's character cassie and bo burnham's character yeah. uh ryan which which i'm hoping was like tongue-in-cheek it's a little tongue-in-cheek but it also the way it's directed i felt like was so genuinely sweet and uh yeah i found it a little corny it's, I it's it was, corny for sure <laughs> if it was tongue-in-cheek it would have been great well that's the thing that about this movie is all of it like, is kind mm. of tonally hard it's a hard wavelength to get onto because it very much rides the line between yeah. what's serious and what's satirical maybe it's questioning that line completely i don't i don't know um but it, it can be a hard movie to tap into yeah because without getting into complete details even because right off the bat a woman wanting to get revenge on essentially something that relates to sexual assault you're with her yes yeah. That's an easy force to get behind. I hope we can agree sexual assault sucks and it's evil and yes. it's awful and it's bad. <laughs> but they even make points and 
she begins to do things that you kind of are like, is, is this too far for her? Is she doing the right thing? Uh, and my, you know, you know, like not completely making her the good guy. It's very much like an anti-hero. Yes. Taking on this, this, um, this, uh, this mission in a way, this revenge mission. And, um, so what, that's something that I definitely really appreciated because at some point I even began to not lose sympathy, but just question her morals. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that. I wasn't sure if you would feel the same way. No, yeah, definitely. And it was just, which I, which I appreciated more than it took me out of the movie. It was just, it definitely, it definitely felt deliberate. Mm-hmm. I, I, but... Um, there, there's parts of it that I wasn't sure how much it wants me to root for her because there's, there's a couple things mm-hmm. in the movie and most specifically for me was the Alison Brie subplot, which I think if you've seen the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But yes, there was parts of yes. what she was doing that I, I, I just couldn't get behind. I was just like, there's no way I can root for her after this. But no, yeah, I agree. I wasn't sure to what extent the movie was asking me to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I had to sit with it for a couple of days. Yeah, I agree, because, yeah, I'm, we're not going to get into spoilers, mm-hmm. but you'll know it when you see it. She does, um, she does some stuff that but, that scares me, and for, you know, on one hand, <laughs> okay, maybe that's the point the movie's trying to make. Because of this traumatic event in her past, uh, she has been kind of, like, driven to the deep end, right? But, but there was also scenes yeah. that felt to me like they were asking me to forgive her, where she would kind of explain why she did these things. And I don't, I don't know if this is what Emerald Fennell intended, but to me, it, it felt like Fennell was saying, don't worry, this is her explanation. And I was going, I don't think that's enough. Um, yeah, I would have to agree. Until something is kind of revealed between the second and the third mm-hmm. act. And from then on, I was like completely absolutely, absolutely. with... Because again, the the men in this movie are so evil that it's so I, easy to get yeah. behind her cause for them. And there are parts where she does yeah. stuff that is morbid, but it's one of those things where because of the movie's tone and style, it's like it's a dark comedy, it's a thriller. It, yeah. You're it like that's just the world of the movie, right? Uh and these men yeah. are horrible and they deserve all of this. But then there's other parts like with mm-hmm. the Alison Bree storyline or with um Connie Britton's character the dean the dean that i was like man i don't know oh. if i can get behind this mission that she's on um it's tough it's yeah, tough I agree. not that those characters are redeemable either very few characters in this movie are very are redeemable i would almost none mm-hmm. in fact i i think i would say that basically no character in this movie is or at least no main character redeemable is a redeemable anyway. person um it's, mm, I it's would hard agree. to say. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, and I, you know what? I commend the movie for that. I applaud it for that. Just even, even if I'm not sure if I agree with everything it's, it's doing, I have to give it applause for making me think about it for a, for a whole week and for, and for sparking as much discussion. Think about it and still interested in what was going to yeah. happen. I, I was definitely not like turned off mm-hmm. or... Or like this is this is trash. Let me turn this off. Like no, I wanted to see what was happening. Yeah, I because, was very engaged. Like I said, I think everybody can be behind, um, at least every anybody who's, you know, who's not the devil, good person, yeah. <laughs> who's not the devil, 
can be behind someone who wants to get revenge on something as disgusting as rape mm -hmm. or a sexual assault. And so um, I think that alone kind of gives you a sense of like, I, I, I know what you're trying to do and I'm rooting for that to be changed, but come on, like, give me something right. else, you know? Right. So uh, if any other uh, subject matter, it probably wouldn't have been the same. Well, that's so, the thing. The movie smart. is similar in a lot of ways to like Kill Bill, right? Which is a stylized revenge thriller. And that's what this is. It is a very like hyper stylized revenge thriller. Mm -hmm. But in Kill Bill, which is about murder, which is like horrible, obviously. You know what I mean? Murder is terrible. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it's it's more common in a stylized movie that we can kind of forgive it as like in this world, it's different. You know what I mean? If if the bride was a person in real life, I would never root for her. But because she's in a Tarantino movie, I'm like, she's badass. I love when she cuts people's heads off. Right? Mm -hmm. So in some ways, I'm yeah. like, why can't no, I do I the same thing with Promising Young Woman? But Kill Bill isn't... Well, because I don't think it was that hyper-stylized in the first place. It definitely felt... It, it dealt with themes that relate to many, many women. Yeah today not just today obviously it's, this has been going on forever right. but it's been sadly. highlighted in the last couple of years for sure it's in the such media. a sensitive subject not everybody can relate to your entire family being murdered at your wedding right <laughs> like <Yeah. in> Kill <laughs> Bill. that's more of a of a hyper stylized over the yes. top revenge plot whereas this is more grounded in something that is much more very realistic and this is a deep subject yes and kind of gross and it makes that's why it's like well, this this happens to people. They can see somebody watching this and being like, this has happened to me. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Or this has happened to someone. Whereas Kill Bill, it, no, I, don't, I don't think anybody can really say that this has happened to me. Why are you doing that? <laughs> you know what and I mean? And that's the thing. This is so one I, of those but movies I, I see the that, comparison for sure. that wants us to be disgusted at a lot of points. Kind of like um, Clockwork yeah. Orange. You know? It wants us to be thoroughly oh, yeah. disgusted. And in doing that, in successfully disgusting us, you got to give the movie some yes. praise. I mean, it's an incredibly well-made movie, but to what extent can I say that I love it if I felt that horrible? <laughs> that's, that's hard. It's to tough. Watch that movie. It's a movie that I can appreciate a lot it's more really than hard. I can say I, in, I enjoy. Um, similar yeah, to I, I just can't. I, I can't say I, I enjoy watching people get, you know, it's, there's a there's a difference between a Tarantino movie and real oh, life. Oh, definitely. Oh, Tarantino definitely. Tarantino makes it fun, makes it cool, makes it exciting, and the way those sequences in Clockwork Orange are done, it just feels like a camera was placed in that situation in the corner, and you're just watching it happen, and it's disgusting, yeah. and it's scary, and it feels you feel like you're there and you want to help. But you can't look away. It it's a different feeling. So um, this movie kind of writes the line between the two of them. Yeah. And uh, maybe not Clockwork Orange, but I know what you mean. Like in a movie that that completely goes all the way realism. This doesn't go all the way realism, but it doesn't go all the way hyper stylized either. As a right. good eighties movie esque balance between the two, where uh, there's definitely something heightened behind this but it's telling a personal deep story and that's the thing about it 
is that its tone is kind of all over the place. And I feel like it gets a, yeah, it gets away with that because of its style. It's got this very mm-hmm. like candy sugar coated style, but the the theme, even though it's clear by the end, it's very messy along the way. And yeah. I mean, maybe I think that could be intentional. I think that what the movie is talking so about is a very messy subject that is not that shouldn't be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It's not comfortable, yeah. but we have to talk about it because guess what? It's happened and it's going to happen and yeah. it, it won't stop unless we do something about it. And I think that's why this movie is, great. is so important and why it's getting so much attention from critics and awards this year, which is great. And I really wasn't mm-hmm. expecting yeah. that. When I when I reviewed this on Letterboxd in January, I, I wrote that like mm-hmm. it would be cool if this movie won some awards because movies like this never do. But I'm, I really think... I can't believe everybody thinks it will. There's no way. And then I was totally proven wrong at the Golden Globes, which is great. Um, this is such yeah. an important movie this Director, year. Director, screenplay, yeah. actress. It's crazy. And picture, drama. Yeah. So I'm glad. I mean, it deserves it for sure. But even if, I, even if I'm, you know, hesitant on certain parts of it, I think it deserves it. No, yeah, yeah. I can always appreciate a movie that... I, I'd rather have a movie that's super ballsy and... And goes for it, yeah. rather than something that's completely safe. Like I'm still gonna remember the movie. Yeah. You know, it's not like something that I watch and like, oh, that was cute, and I'm never gonna remember it again. Green Book, oh my god! <laughs> but um, yeah, I would rather see something like this being praised than a Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even if it's not completely perfect. And that's why it reminds me so much of another movie which came out in 2019, uh, Ready or Not. Which was a very different subject matter, but a very not seen that. ballsy kind of sat- oh, like very satirical thriller that I really enjoyed. Um, it reminded me a lot of Ready oh. or Not. I think you would. I think you'd like that a lot. So you should check it out. Yeah, yeah. I hear it's like a horror comedy type thing, and I love. Yeah, it's love it's not stuff. like relevant in the same way this one is. It's goofy, but I think the style is similar. Nice. No, I I I want to see that. I've been meaning to see it. Just. I never got around to it, but yeah. Eh, who knows? Maybe someday we can talk about it here. Um, one thing I'll, I'll throw out there is that I always wish, because the Oscars <laughs> have the original song category, right? Every year, I wish that they had one mm-hmm. for like best cover or rearrangement, because a lot of times movies will take a song that already exists and do something really cool with it, but then it can't it it can't be nominated at um the Oscars. And this movie does a has a new arrangement of toxic by britney spears with like scary horror movie violins yeah which i thought was pretty cool and it reminds me of what the movie us did with five on it it was yeah it was great it was so cool (laughs) i wish that it could win an award for that for that version of the song us used it perfectly in the trailer not in the movie but here in the movie, it was like, that was perfect. Yeah, it's like revitalizing like this hyped up pop pumped. song into like, this horror. Is, I cannot wait. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> cool, we didn't really get into spoilers. I thought we were going to yeah, get into spoilers. That worked, that worked out well. <laughs> but but I think that worked out well. Um, I think we said a good amount about, uh, about the but movie. Do we have anything else to say? Um, Not really, no. It's bold, it's ballsy, it's unpredictable. Uh. And I absolutely commend it for that. And I really recommend that everybody sees it, yeah. even if it's just to see what your take is on it. 
because it will be very divisive, especially yeah. that ending. Um, especially the I ending. like the ending a lot. Yeah. I think it's cool. Um, I wish it had been a little bit better supported by the first two acts of the movie, mm-hmm. but I do. I just appreciate how ballsy it is. And that's the last time I'll say balls yeah. today, I promise. <laughs> balls. <laughs> I agree. I was I was upset and then cheering. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And a great use of music again. Uh and Bo Burnham is awesome yeah. as always. And Alfred Molina. Love to see him. Love to see Alfred him. Molina. He was great in this. I love that man. Yeah. He's yeah. great in everything. Even if it was for like five minutes. Yeah, he has a short less. sequence, but it's it hits you pretty hard. It stuck with me for sure. It was good. Very good. Okay. Uh, Kobe, what would you give it? Despite my reservations, I still feel like I can give it an eight because of how much I respect it and how like just I can't say I can't say the word again. Just how um, <laughs> let's say bold it is. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciated it. I was very immersed and engaged in it. Um, I love the conversation that it sparks, even if, you know, like we said, along the way to get to, to the ending, it is messy. Um, I still feel like I can mm-hmm. give it a, an eight. Nice. What about you, Seb? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's I, I didn't uh, rate it for like multiple days after I saw it. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have to sit with it for sure mm-hmm. a little bit more because... Um, because I mean I, I've looked at at some uh what some people have said about the movie online in terms of like the people that I trust, you know, Chris Duckman and Red Letter mm-hmm. Media, um, and their take on it and um and they're all vaguely positive. And um and I would like to see what the negative side has to say to see if it's like any you know, if it, if I feel the same way or if like I didn't see it that way, and I, I'm not too sure yet. I it's, I'm stuck between maybe like a seven or an eight, but um, I'm not sure. Mm. I have to, I have to give it some time for sure. <clears throat> but yeah, overall positive. Uh, regardless, I recommend it that you see it. Um, it's worth watching. It's not like something that's like only a few people would like, or not for a certain crowd. Um, I recommend it to anyone really um, like i don't know <clears throat> go and watch it even if yeah if it's just to see how you think about it it's it's worth the watch for sure yeah definitely speaking of watching <laughs> francis watches a lot of <laughs> cliffs in the next movie <laughs> we're talking to talk about um yeah <laughs> We will never, we will never get these se- the segues down. No. <laughs> Can no, we rename this podcast the um, the amateur amateur segues? Amateur segues. That sounds like a um, <laughs> That sounds like a tourist company that does those segway tours. That sounds like an indie band. That does sound like an indie band, Seb. Amateur Let's segways. make an indie band called, Ama- oh called God, Amateur Segways. That's down. sick. What's our first album name? Balls? Um, <laughs> balls. Ballsy. Ballsy. It'll just be called Ballsy. Ballsy. That's a good album name, actually. I like that. 
<laughs> Ballsy, and it'll be a photo of um, uh, I'm trying to think. What's something that we? Well, we can't use a picture of balls, then the album won't sell. Obviously not. We can use a photo of a lighthouse. It's very mm. phallic. Do we use the photo of the It'll lighthouse? Be us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it could be us. Um, paying homage to the poster. Right. You know, it should be called ballsy. Right. <laughs> oh, I like this. I like this. Look out, everybody! Look Amateur. out for ballsy. The new album in stores. That's not how albums work anymore. But the new album in stores <laughs> this Amateur summer, segues. featuring um, oh, tracks okay. such as um, Alfred as Molina, um, Love, uh-huh. and Jared Leto Hate, and Jared Leto Hate, and Wanker um, Mank, Daddy Damien. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, you hack. Yeah, Luke, yeah, you you hack has to be a track because you say that every episode. You hack. <laughs> every episode. <laughs> I know. We just call out hacks for every episode. Yeah. That's it. our fan base. You know how fans will have like like a name for their fans? Yeah. Um we're ours ours are the hacks. We're the hacks. Yeah. You hacks. All what four if, of them. If you are listening, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I know guys we for suck. Listening. We're we're pretending to know what we're talking about. Yep. Oh. Um anyway. moving on. The moving on. movie that won best picture drama at the Golden Globes this week, the movie that has made a huge splash this year. It's won yes. a crap ton of awards. Um it's won best director at almost every if not every uh festival or awards body or whatever critics group mm-hmm. whatever that it's been nominated for. Uh, the movie is Nomadland, starring Francis McDormand, correct, uh, directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, it looks okay. like Zhao, but it, it's pronounced Jaw, according to Google. Um, if we are wrong, you can... I'm so sorry, Chloe. This. I I have so much respect for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's Jaw. Yeah. The movie is based on the nonfiction book Nomadland, which follows a group of nomads, real real-life people who, in America who live in vans and just travel around the Midwest. They don't have houses. Um, that's the way they've chosen to live their life, largely because of the economic crisis of 2008, but for other reasons as well, spiritual reasons, personal reasons. And mm-hmm. um, using a cast of otherwise real nomads, many of them featured in the book that it's based on, non-actors, non-Hollywood people, uh, yeah. Chloe Jaw. Uh, tells the story of Fern, who is played by Frances McDormand and is based on Frances McDormand in real life, as far as her personality goes. Um, a Midwestern woman who, after the loss of her husband and of her job in the recession, drops her life, sells her stuff, and buys a van and decides to be a nomad and decides that that's the new life for her and kind of just blindly oblivious like just kind of wanders through the midwest exploring regions and meeting interesting people along the way Mm -hmm. it's a very uh mellow film it's a very um tranquil film yeah slow burn for sure uh sebastian when did you watch this one uh i watched it after the golden globes actually oh okay so last couple days i had yeah i had time 
I was with my grandma. We watched it together and the Globes, I mean. And then mm-hmm. I was like, do you, do you want to watch? Do you want to watch Nomadland? She's like, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. And so we, uh, yeah, we watched it on Sunday. Yeah. When did you watch it? I watched it on February 19th, which I think is the weekend it came out. I was I was very excited for it. Um, I've been waiting to see this for a couple months now, so I I saw it as soon as I mm-hmm. could. And according to my letterbox, that was the nineteenth. Um, I actually watched it first thing in the morning that day. <laughs> oh, nice! I woke up and Not got excited. up super early before I had to go to work so I could watch it. <laughs> I was so excited, Love and it. I really liked it. I was very pleased. I was very pleased. Um, nice. I was actually scared that I was overhyping in my head, and I don't think I did. Um, that's good what about you sebastian what did you think of it i liked it too it was um it's a very uh it's not there's not really a structure or a plot to the film it's kind of like almost like a day in the life type of thing Mm -hmm. where you're following francis essentially adapting to becoming a nomad it's almost like observant and it's it's weird because it 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 feels both massive and epic Mm -hmm. with some of the shot choices but also very documentary and personal and And intimate yeah that's a really good way of putting it yeah yeah because there are like great i think the movie was released in imax which i would Mm -hmm. be down to see for such a low budget Um, movie there are such incredible landscape shots and yeah um, great tracking shots wide yeah. angles um i think the reason it looks so good is because chloe jaw knows how to really use nature because usually when we say a movie looks yeah. big and cinematic it's because there's been a lot of money put into big sets and big costumes but this one it's just natural landscapes every location is just a, yeah. a natural place outside outdoors you know what i mean um, you don't need to do anything. It's gorgeous already. Yeah. It's like Chloe Zhao really has an appreciation for nature. If you've watched her interviews, you know, she um, cares very deeply about nature. And so mm-hmm. um, she does a really great job incorporating that into her filmmaking, which is a reflection of how important it is to the nomad lifestyle. It, it felt like a blend of Roma and The Revenant and the way mm-hmm. that it was shot. Um, and the Revenant, and obviously they went to the real locations and they used wide angle lenses and long takes and really was able to kind of let the landscape, you know, you don't need to do any computers or anything. It's just, that's it. Press record in the camera now. It looks gorgeous. And with Roma feeling both, um, very intimate while also it's, it's shot in this grand grandiose widescreen way but telling this intimate personal story and what nomadland does especially with all the sequences of the nomads it just feels like a documentary it genuinely felt like it didn't feel scripted in any way at least the sequences with them it felt like how any documentary would when observing uh you know observing the the person that you're interviewing or what have you it was a uh, very low laid back i wouldn't say laid back but it was just very mellow movie for sure 
And I can see somebody watching it and thinking, well, nothing happens. It's just <laughs> Francis McDormand taking a caca in, in a bucket <laughs> and, you know, being sad yeah. and driving. Yeah. And and I can see somebody watching this and saying that, and I wouldn't completely disagree. But for me, it was more than that. It was absurd. It was, again, it was a, almost like a fly in the wall type of observant movie. Mm-hmm seeing these lives it's it's about people ultimately i think and um just to hear their their sides and their perspectives on living this life and what led them to there and it it was interesting you know i i i I was uh i i loved what they had to say about uh, I think there's, um, without getting into complete spoilers, it's not really a spoiler, but there's a character here we get introduced who basically says that she's not going to make it. And mm-hmm. and what she wants to do in her final days. And it's kind of beautiful and it's really sad, but it's like, it it doesn't feel like a performance or anything fake. It feels like and that the person who that says that just met telling is not an actor at all. Yeah. So and and the fact that they were able to get that emotion out of non-actors mm-hmm. is it's really special. It's really awesome. And and of course Frances was amazing. She's great as always and everything. Definitely. It's one of those movies that uh it's hard to tell what's written and what's not because it's all so seamless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Like you can't really tell Exactly, you can't really tell what is written or not. It just feels like this. Uh, yeah, just this is one movie that's being told, and uh, yeah, I found it to be really beautiful, and it stuck with me for a good while. And um, I look forward to seeing it again someday. Um, I, it's a movie that I would need to be in the mood for, for sure, because um, it's generally slow. It's uh, very mellow. I I was feeling pretty melancholic after the movie, and um. So it's not something that I would put on after a long week, but um. But it's it's it's, we're, we're sometimes we're always going to be in the mood for something that that will challenge us, and this is, this is a this is a good watch. That's funny. I think I would put it on after a long week because it's so serene. I think it would calm me. Mm-hmm. when i if i'm okay if i've had a tough week if i'm working a lot if i'm stressed i think i could put it on and and really like feel tranquil which mm-hmm. i like in movies you mentioned the caca um <laughs> <laughs> and as goofy as it is i think that's something that's so impressive about Frances mcdormand in this movie is how naked she is figuratively and literally um <laughs> um yeah we see her boobs at some point yeah, there, there's a scene where she's uh, <laughs> lying naked in the water and it's not sexualized at all. It's not a glamorous shot. No. It's just honest and raw. And there's a scene mm-hmm. where she's pooping in a bucket. Literally, we see her poop in a bucket. And it's not played for laughs. It's not especially goofy or over the top. It's just honest and raw. And I think that's what this movie is all about. And I think casting her was so genius because she's... I think better at capturing that than most actresses. And I think her performance in this movie is really brave in how much she puts herself out there um, physically and emotionally. 
I was yeah, listening. she's not like she's she's not a celebrity. She's not a movie star. Definitely she's an actress. not. Definitely not. She's awesome. Yeah, she because again, she's kind of being herself. So it yeah. is like the least glamorizing performance. It is so no, yeah, for sure, intimate and real. And I was listening about that poop scene. Um, <laughs> I was listening to this interview with the sound designers of the movie. And that mm-hmm. scene kind of got brought up as a joke, like, oh, you had to design a poop sound. But the sound designer actually talked a lot about his about how him how he and, and Jaw um devised that because originally he said he tried to kind of downplay it. He didn't want it to sound gross and he didn't want audiences to like laugh at the scene. So he made the sound mm-hmm. pretty quiet and pretty reserved. And um because obviously she's not really pooping in a bucket, like he has to do he has to artificially create that sound. Um, <laughs> um, and he said he presented his his first cut of it to Chloe Zhao, and she said, "No, why would you, why would you do that? I'm not I'm not worried about what people think of it if they laugh. We it should sound like poop in a bucket. Like <laughs> we're not gonna hide the yeah. fact that this is the lifestyle she's chosen, and it includes pooping it's in a bucket. Be a little silly. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's gross." we're we're gonna tell him that straightforward you know um i really appreciate that about this movie how non how egoless it is how glamorless it oh is. yeah yeah for sure but it's still beautiful in that very natural way mm-hmm. um, no i agree it's uh it, it doesn't it's a very subtle laid back mm-hmm. it's not flashy in any way like look at us we're trying to win oscars here it's just it, it really does just feel like a documentary mm-hmm. it just feels like an honest portrayal of this this way of living and i really i i just found it interesting and it made me think like that's true there's just so many other stories that need to be told so many different perspectives of life so many other uh voices that need to be shared like uh, I always groan when, when um, there's so much forced diversity in not just movies but just art, and and I don't mean diversity, I mean forced diversity, where it's like you're only doing this so you can not look racist, <laughs> like tokenism. Yeah, yeah, like that, um, Disney, but um, no, this kind of like. Like like other films like Roma or even Revenant or um, Coco or anything. It's just like, yeah, like it would be nice to see more of different sides of 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 stories or different perspectives or different, mm-hmm. different voices. Different even like subcultures. I think we've all heard that every story has been told, just not every voice has been heard. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, um, I like that. Which I love. And so, yeah, it, I definitely was thinking about that halfway. Like, mm. like it, it's cool that an Asian woman made this. I don't know if that, if, if that sounds weird or not. But it's like... No, I mean, she's I, making I, history as the first Asian woman to win yeah. Best Director at the Golden Globes. Um, not just that. It's more of like, I, I, I guess because many filmmakers have been 
male and white dudes and I mm. guess dudes that kind of look like us. Yeah. And we look up to who we look like in a way, at least when it comes to what we want to do. And I wanted to learn how she made this after the movie. I didn't care mm -hmm. how, whether or not she was male or a white dude or anything. Right. It was like, no, you're a filmmaker and you made this. I want to know how you did this. And I'm inspired by what you did. Part of that is which because I found to be really cool. It's such a universal story. And we've said that plenty of times, but like, this, yeah. it, like you said, this is a movie about the human experience. Um, oh yeah. Uh, it's one of those movies that's relatable to anybody, even though almost nobody has been through this specific situation. Like, oh, like yeah. not many of us live in vans and drive around the Midwest and poop in buckets. That's not common. I would hope not. But, but anybody can watch this but anybody and say, can, yeah. yeah, that's me. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, but at is, least the emotions are honest. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's emotionally very honest and relatable, even if the details mm -hmm. aren't. And I feel like we've said that multiple times on this podcast but it is really rare mm. in film yeah yeah to i would to be able to capture that with different perspectives mm -hmm. it's i think that's what makes it <laughs> awesome and beautiful to be able to take something like a story of a woman in a van going around <laughs> different states or whatever and making it something that you feel like you can experience or at least that you're able to relate to in a way or feel like you're there it's uh, i think that's that's the power of what movies can do it's it's uh, movies take us to different places whether it's in outer space or in the jungle with indiana jones or in the city of vienna with jesse and Celine, or mm -hmm. um or even animated worlds or even something where it's it's all uh, it's kind of not too far off from where we are it's it's a uh, what the East Coast? Was it the East Coast that she was at? She was uh, in the movie. So. No, it was in the desert. She's in the Midwest. In the Midwest, in the, in the Rockies. You know what of. I mean? I I believe it. So, it starts in Nevada. A lot of it's Nevada. Yeah, but there's yeah. also some Colorado, Arizona, Utah, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it, it's. I don't know if that's considered Midwest, but that area. That area, yeah. You know what it is. Those listening. Oh, it's definitely not Midwest. I just looked up what Midwest includes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oops. I've been Pretend saying Midwest say a lot, actually. Forget I said that. Oops. <laughs> what I meant was uh, the Rockies. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if there's anything else to say about it. It's just... It, it's a simple underlining... You know, it, it's more of a... Uh, this is the foundation of the movie, and this is what you're witnessing there's not like uh there's no setups or payoffs or anything and that mm -hmm. can turn people off but it's a beautiful depiction of this lifestyle and following this woman and it's really well done yeah i mean like you said it's got very little plot very little structure and mm -hmm. i think the this the i think the way the story is structured is very flowy and drifty which is a really it, it does a really great job reflecting that drifting lifestyle that kind of yeah uh, go where the wind takes you lifestyle that it depicts and something that i walked out of the movie being very profoundly uh impacted by was the way it portrays life as cyclical which mm -hmm. 
was kind of the largest thematic thing that I took from the movie. There's a line that goes something along the lines of um, one character points at the ring that Frances McDormand has, her wedding ring from her old husband. And mm-hmm. she says, you see this? Uh, you couldn't get rid of this if you wanted to, right? Because it, it means so much to you. And Frances McDormand says, no, I couldn't. And she says, um, it's a ring. It's a circle. So it never ends, right? Because yeah. your relationship with your husband's never going to end. Your love for him's never going to end. That's what that represents. And um, there's another line, which is, I would say it's like the line from the movie. Like it's very emphasized. I want to say it's said twice. Um, actually, a couple times. It's in the trailer. It's a line from Bob Wells, which is the name of both the actor and the character. Because like we said, they're all kind of playing themselves, the nomads. Mm-hmm. He says, um, in this life, something along these, these lines, in this life, there are no final goodbyes. I never say goodbye to anybody. I say, I'll see you down the road. Oh, yeah. And he even says that about uh, somebody who has died in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, About uh, somebody he knew who died. He says, I'll see him down the road. And at the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. this isn't a spoiler. This is this is not like this. This isn't the ending of the movie. But like in the credits, it says dedicated to um, all those who wander or something like that. Uh, I'll see you Mm -hmm. down the road. Yeah. And so I feel like, I was like wow. and honestly, again, without giving anything away about the story, even though there's not much to give away, I don't think Frances McDormand ends the movie in a place that's that different from where she started, but she grows mm-hmm. and changes a lot in the middle. Um, and I think her arc is, it's not even really an arc. It is kind of a circle. I think, um, if they were to make two more hours of this movie, what happens immediately after, it would kind of reflect the structure of that first two hours. Well, first I don't know if what hours, I just said yeah. it makes any sense. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's very cyclical. Like, it's just kind of how life is. Yeah, and I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's very reflected in the road it, life and in the way the movie mm-hmm. is shot, which often parallels earlier shots like the last couple shots and the first couple shots are very similar um yeah i like that 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 really stuck with me that was the thing that i really took away from this movie um that's awesome oh man the music in this movie the score so good yeah um no i think that's the only (laughs) part of it that i thought was fine okay um, I mean, it's, it's well done. It's, but I, I feel like I've heard that melancholic piano piece in every indie movie. That's ever funny. Made. I, I agree with you. When you listen to it on its own, it's pretty typical, but I feel like yeah. maybe it's just because of the, sh- the cinematography is so great, but when you put mm-hmm. it over these images, it felt way more impactful. I mean, I'm kind of just describing mm-hmm. how movies work now, but I felt like, mm-hmm. especially here. That's one. Um, and what's interesting about That's the cool. score is that it's not written originally for this movie. It's um, it's a it's an album that has been out already for a while. Let me find the name of it. Uh, and Chloe Jaw heard it and just thought it was perfect and used it for the movie. Oh wow! Uh, it's by, let's see. Oh, I oh I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this name so bad. Ludovico. Oh no. Lud- Ludovico. A Naudi. Oh no. I'm 
I'm so sorry. It's from his album. Ludovico uh, Naudi has just died now because of how you just yeah. said his name. But <laughs> he is a collection <laughs> of seven albums called Seven Days Walking. And they're, the albums are titled Day One, Day Two, Day Three. And uh, all the music in this movie is from those. Uh, it sounds like walking music. Yeah. So I guess um, the that guy, his name, uh, <laughs> he uh-huh. guy. wrote those albums after... Died taking like a seven day hike in the mountains somewhere oh, i don't know okay. uh and he wrote an album to reflect his experience and his thoughts on each day um and just his mood mm. mm-hmm. so uh that's why it's called that and that's why i feel like it works so well in this movie because it's all about kind of just wandering through nature yeah it definitely i mean that does sound cool but uh, in the movie, it definitely just it came off as indie indie, indie piano sad mm. music. <laughs> but I mean, gotcha. uh, in terms of uh, that is cool that he he was he was inspired by his own like his own hike to kind of mm. write a rendition that reflects that just and yeah it that that rendition and those that music when you hear it you would think someone walking by themselves in the woods or um, in the mountains or whatever. So, but, um, yeah, awesome movie. It's, um, uh, I mean, I know I, I said, like, there's not really much of a structure to it, but, I mean, I don't know, it's, it, this is the cinema we're talking about. This is, this is the art, this is, a, this is the form where we tell a story visually. Mm-hmm. Um you got to be too careful in not making it too narrative or else, you know, might as well go read a book at that point. You know what I mean? This is only something that only works because it's a movie. Definitely. I, well, I, it's based I on really a book, but um, I th- I think the, oh, true. the book is, it's nonfiction. So it's very much just like an account of some people's lives and takes a very different approach than this one does, which is more slice of life. Yeah, this is like yeah. a slice of life thing, whereas um, I'm sure the book is like detailed and mm-hmm. and um, of like their accounts and all that stuff. Yeah, because to be clear, Fern, but, uh, the main character in this movie, is not in the book. Um, but several oh, no. of the main characters in the book, who are not characters, they're real people, are depicted in this movie by their real people as uh, like supporting characters. Such as uh, Linda May yeah. and Swanky and Bob Wells. Um, Swanky. David Strathairn is the only other actor in this movie other than Francis McDormand, and he did a really great job too. Oh yeah, he was good. I liked him. He was very likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, one oh uh, one story people. that was really cool. You know the guy in this movie. This isn't a spoiler, but you won't really know who I'm talking about unless you've seen the movie. Um, he meets Francis McDormand early on and then she runs into, and this is another thing about how cyclical it is. She runs into him again later in the movie and like sits down and smokes with him. And, um, he's, he's like really young and they're, and he, 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 she's talking to him about like his parents and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what Chloe Jaw said in an interview that I was watching, which blew my mind is that he was just a dude that they found like, wait, really? Cause they actually, when they filmed this movie, they actually, you know, lived in vans and, um, just drove around to these locations. Uh, they really did kind of like commit to the nomadic lifestyle that they were depicting. Um, he was just a dude they found and like asked if he wanted to be in like a shot, which is that early shot. Mm-hmm. And then 
somehow they started talking and he like knew how to fix cars and they, their cars had kept breaking down and they didn't have a mechanic on their crew and they just needed some extra hands. And they're like, do you mm-hmm. want to just come with us? And he was like, sure. And then he joined the crew <laughs> of the movie. That's awesome. And then they filmed that other scene with him later in the movie. That's just kind of like his real life story. It's just him talking. That's so cool. That's so man. Cool. <laughs> I love that. That's actually really cool. Yeah. And with that said, he feels like, I shouldn't say he feels like an actor person. because he feels so authentic, but mm-hmm. it feels like a great performance because yeah. it doesn't very, feel like you're just interviewing a random person yeah. in the street. It feels like a perform a, a naturalistic performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Blending documentary with a uh, wide scope, like wide. Yeah. Uh, cinematography and filmmaking really really good stuff uh anything else to say about it colby not much um i think we covered most of it i i like it a lot it isn't necessarily my favorite movie of the last year but i i do kind of think it's the best movie of 2020 that i saw at Mm -hmm. least i i think it deserves the best picture accolades that it's gone and um I'm very happy with it. If it wins Best Picture at the Oscars, I'll be pleased. It's definitely a communal film. Yeah. And one that feels unif- that unifies people and mm-hmm. it's filled with kindness and just the beauty of what's outside. Definitely. And uh, that's needed now yeah. more than ever. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be upset at all if it won Best Picture. Yeah, I think it deserves it. Uh, there's That'd lots of films cool. that deserve I it this year. But yeah, uh, I I get why this one has been kind of sweeping, and um, yeah, I think it's uh, very well earned. For sure. So, what would you give it? I'd give it a, a high nine, and um, nice. I could see that going up to a ten. I I I'm very much looking forward to watching this again, um, mm-hmm. maybe a couple times in the future. But for right now, yeah, I'd give it a good nine. Yeah, high eight for now. It's something that will get better. Like you said, I do think this will get better as I get older and yeah. more we watches and depending on my mood and no matter, like you, anything can happen in the future or mm-hmm. whatever, just, yeah. For now, a, a solid eight, a really high eight, but it could change. Yeah, great movie. Good job, Chloe Jaw. Good job, Chloe Jaw. You're going to win Best Director. We all know it. And uh, I'm happy for you. Um, yeah, imagine that'd be cool. I've been talking a lot about Oscar stuff today, and I gotta I gotta hold back because we will be talking about that in the future. Ooh, foreshadow! Yes. Oh my god! Um, but for now, Sebastian, my man, uh, what you been watching? Um, since the last time we met, um, when was that? That was like five years ago. Yeah, about at least. <laughs> um, oh my god, I finally got around to watching uh, my neighbor Totoro. Ooh, dude, I have a poster of that on my wall that I'm looking at right now as we're. It's like right in front of me <laughs> as I'm recording this on my desk. That's so I funny that you said that it. right as I right as my eyes passed it. <laughs> I love that. It was awesome. Great movie. It was much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be cute. Oh, it was cute. No, I was happy. Yeah. <laughs> that's an uplifting I, film i was a kid again oh my goodness it was so 
good. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, I rewatched Some Like It Hot. Nice. After many years. Awesome, awesome movie. Um, Billy Wilder is a goat. Uh, I watched rewatched the the Curse of the Were Rabbit, Wallace and <laughs> Gromit. Great, great movie. Uh, a favorite of mine. I've been just rewatching a bunch of animated movies. Um, this past weekend, I just rewatched uh, the Lego Batman movie and Storks. All right, uh, all right. Yeah, this is random. Storks, I think, is extremely underrated. Is Storks Lord awesome. and Miller? They produced it. They produced they it. Okay. Um, it's the same Warner Brothers animation company, like from Lego Movie uh, and Lego Batman. But um, I have a soft spot for it. It's all over the place, but it, I think it's great. I love that movie. And um, Creed. Oh, watch Creed. Creed is Creed's so good. Awesome. I forget every i forget how good creed is and then i feel like every other year i rewatch it and i'm like oh jesus christ <laughs> this movie is so is good awesome. i um I, I still think sylvester stallone should have won the oscar for his performance that would have been great one of his best performance if not his best ryan coogler's so direction good. in creed is oh, yeah, absolutely just just like a tour de force direction I don't know and if that's like the right his second word. Second movie. Yeah, his first was uh, Fruitvale Station. Mm-hmm. And Black Panther is great, um, but you know, mm. just by the nature of it being Marvel, um, it has to be directed a certain way. And when I watch it, I miss how brutal and how uh, dynamic Creed was. Yeah, which is why I didn't care for Black Panther all that much. It's just Marvel taking away. Kugler's signature mm. styles and what he's known for, you know, like some long takes and this 16 millimeter. And uh, I mean, some of it shines like there's like that casino fight, right? That's like, yeah, a long take. that's a that's a really good one take. Yeah, but uh, that one felt like more digital and fake. For sure. Whereas like the the one in Creed that felt like, oh, this must have taken forever to choreograph. Mm-hmm. This was really well done. Um, but Sorry, uh, Colby, what have you been watching? Um, so I recently watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh my God. Have you heard the, of this? The, the, yeah, I have. It's, it's a new 2021 movie. It's a comedy written by Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo. It is a absurdist screwball comedy on the level of Austin Powers. Oh. Which I gotta say okay. is a genre that I miss. Uh, they're best in moderation for sure, but Hollywood just doesn't make them anymore. And I, they're so fun. They're like such a great palate cleanser. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that's how I would describe this movie. It's, it's so goofy. It's so stupid. But I love goofy stupid. I, lo- I mean, my favorite movie is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I love when yeah. stupid is written smartly. You know what I mean? Yeah, smart stupid. And some of this movie is just stupid, but a lot of it's smart stupid. And I got to say, I had a great time. It's very That's fun. Awesome. Um, I recommend it to anybody, really, truly anybody, because you will walk out of it being like, I don't know what I just watched, but I had a good time. I, had, I got a smile on my face. Um, nice. There's some great like musical numbers and good production design. Um, it's just wacky. It's good. 
And then even though it was February, that like really put me in the mood for a summer movie because that's a very summer movie. It's weird that they released it in winter, but I think they were going for a Valentine's Day thing. Mm -hmm. But it really put me in the mood for like a good hangout beach movie. So I watched Where the Boys Are. Have you seen that, Seb? Where the Boys? No, I've never okay, heard of this. Okay, so little... um. If, if you if you're unaware of if you're listening and you're unaware of this little pocket of uh, film history after the movie beach blanket bingo which was one of the first movies to uh really direct at teens in its advertising and in its in its content was really like we're gonna make a movie for teenagers uh there was uh-huh. this there was this fad in the 60s of beach of teen beach party movies which is what um disney's teen beach movie is parodying um directly um i see it's it was just a lot of like kind of generic and formulaic movies about teenagers going to the beach that studios would pump out several a year because they would make a lot of money from teenagers who just wanted to hang out and go to the movies Mm -hmm. and believe it or not teenagers were kind of an untapped market uh for movie theaters until the 60s at least to the extent uh that they that they became in the 60s but yeah where the boys are came out during that time. It is one of those movies, but it is very. It's much more mature than the rest, uh-huh. and much more real. It's still fun. It's still a really uh, good comedy and a good teen hangout comedy. And there's some screwball in there, but um, it also addresses some gender politics and and some some uh, sexuality in a really frank an honest way that I really appreciated, especially for the sixties. I thought it was really impressive. Oh, wow. Um, I, I really recommend where the boys are to anybody. It's, you don't have to have seen the other beach movies. It's not, it's not a series or anything, but, um, it's a great teen comedy with a bit of heavy drama towards the end. It'll kind of pack a punch. Um, really good. Really good. Nice. Um, I have to check this out. What did you see this? Did you buy it? I think I just rented it on Amazon, yeah. Okay. It's like a couple bucks. Um, I also just started watching the series Ted Lasso after Jason Sudeikis won the Golden Globe. Uh, I'm three episodes in. It is wonderful, very delightful. Just a very kind of like happy, hopeful, optimistic show. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty good for right now, I would say. Um, yeah, it's cute. Nice. <laughs> okay. I think uh, we are done. Let's wrap it up because I have 3%. Oh, Lord. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much. Tune in next week to hear our thoughts on Thomas Vinterberg and Mads Mikkelsen's new movie, Another Round, which uh, seems to be the front runner for the best foreign film this year. Uh, Pretty exciting. And we're also going to be talking about their previous collaboration, The Hunt, which neither of us have actually seen, but we're very excited to watch it. In order to talk not about the it, the hunt that episode. came out last year, not that one, We're not the, about the hunt, not the one that got banned or something. 2012? Controversial, I don't know. This is an old, what is it, Danish movie? It's Danish, right? I, that, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah, both of these are Danish films. We're, is this our first foreign film episode? Oh, we did Parasite, Parasite, so no, but other than that, <laughs> uh, we're pretty excited. We're gonna talk about another round in the hunt, very excited, yes. Um, Tune in next week, and uh, thank you again for listening. We love you, and for now, see you down the road. Oh, love you guys. Take care. Thank you.
Bye-bye.